Hello, 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 and welcome everyone to the first ever episode of The Rugby Room. I'm your co-host, Danny Vasica, and I'm with my good friend, Carter Bondi. What is up, Carter? What's up, Danny? How we doing, my man? I'm super stoked to be here, just like you. Excited for this opportunity, and excited to kick things off and get rolling here, my man. Absolutely, dude. So, so excited. It's been, a, it's been quite a ride to get here, but so happy to be finally recording and uh, getting this thing rolling, man. Yeah, dude, seriously, for sure. Yeah, so as I said, this is The Rugby Room, your future point of contact for all rugby-related news. And uh, Carter, why don't you just give everyone a quick breakdown about uh, how we came to be here? Yeah, for sure, dude. Um, so yeah, recently Danny and I just got uh, on uh, Players Board of Directors for the Canadian Misfits. Um, the Misfits are a uh, non-for-profit sport organization in Toronto. Um, they're uh, pretty much a rugby academy trying to develop um, high-performance players, both uh, sevens and soon to be fifteens. Um, right now, just in Ontario, but try to expand across Canada for sure. Um, yeah, and they uh, they gave us this platform, this opportunity to start recording, and uh, we thought it'd be a good idea to start this podcast and, and give you guys a good uh, view of rugby through North American lens. Really, I think, Danny. Yeah, man, absolutely. So I'm just going to plug the, the Misfits for you guys so you guys can go check them out if you haven't heard of them. On Instagram and Twitter, they are the Canada, uh, Canada Misfit Sevens. That is Canada, M-I-S-F-I-T, the number seven, and then the letter S. Their Facebook is Canada Misfit Rugby, and their website is CanadianMisfitSevens.ca. That's Canadian, M-I-S-F-I-T, the number seven, and the letter S, dot C-A. And uh, yeah, no, go check them out. Me and Carter, we owe a lot to the that organization. Um, we've played a lot of rugby, had a lot of great experiences, and uh, this is our way of, well, giving back, I guess. Right? Yeah, yeah, man, seriously, for sure. Um, so throwing over us, we are, like Danny said before, we are the rugby room. And uh, I'm just going to introduce you guys to... Uh, a little bit of scripted stuff here, but our mission really is to make rugby more accessible to North American rugby fans by providing media coverage and interviews with some of the best talent and mindful players of the game. Um, we're really just trying to help grow the love of rugby in North America. And uh, some of the values that we share along with World Rugby and, and just really the rugby community are uh, passion towards the game, uh, solidarity, respect, and just overall camaraderie because that's, kind of, uh, that's kind of how rugby is, right, Dane? Yeah, exactly how it is, and I love. We had to get through the, some of the scripted stuff, but uh, we try to we try to do it free form, and we just couldn't get it down. Good way. <laughs> no, yeah, seriously, it took a couple trial and error, so we thought we'd uh, we'd draw it out and, and say it, so we could just get talking after that, right? Absolutely, but I, I'm I'm we're both excited to be here. We think this is a great opportunity. We hope you guys enjoy listening to us talk and uh but we're not going to talk for the the whole time we're gonna have some great guests on the show we're gonna be giving you guys a great breakdown of rugby news and like carter said all through the north american lens um we don't think that there's enough of that in north america right now so we're gonna hopefully fill that gap and anyway i don't want to talk for too much long here carter we've got a great interview with nigel dacre to share with you guys and for those who don't know he is the founder of the canadian misfit rugby program and uh, we owe a lot to that guy. He's uh, been a great mentor um, and a great, been a great part of growing uh, rugby and rugby sevens in Canada, especially. Um, but yeah, great interview with him. And just a fair warning, guys, we hadn't got our mics when we interviewed Nigel. <laughs> so our voices may not be as, uh, as silky as they are right now. But uh, hopefully you guys can bear through it. Nigel does sound great. And uh, just a great interview. We talk in Canadian grassroots rugby all the way through to Nigel's illustrious playing career, professional playing career, as well as uh, how he came to found the, the Canada Misfit Sevens and what that origin story was. But uh, I won't keep you guys any longer. We're going to throw it over to the interview. And, man, Carter, you excited, bro? Super stoked, guys. You're going to love this interview. All right, man, let's play the music. Got it. to introduce you our first ever guest on the podcast. He is the founder of the Canadian Misfit Rugby Program. He has played all formats of rugby and is an ex-Hong Kong international sevens and fifteens player. He has worked closely with Rugby Canada and Rugby Ontario in the development of age-grade talent throughout the country. And he is an unconfirmed spy for the Australian Secret Service. Welcoming Nigel Dacre to the podcast. Thank you. Wow, what an introduction. I appreciate that. 
some of that was some of that was very true. Some of that may not have been, but uh, I'll take it all. Take it all. Yeah. Thank, thank, thanks, Danny. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, Nige. Thanks, Carter. Yeah. Welcome. It's it's great to be here, guys. I'm really pumped for the podcast and uh, honored to be the first guest. So thank you. We're definitely honored, and uh, we're super excited to get this going. And uh, we thought before we started to get, talk about the the Canadian Misfit team and how that all started, we just wanted to ask you a couple questions about your career and how you got all started in rugby. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it was it was a long time ago. My parents. I was fortunate enough to have a couple of Kiwis as parents, and uh, Australian rules football wasn't really um, part of my plan, uh, according to my father. And I had no choice. It was rugby. So I started playing rugby at a young age, at very young, um, about four, uh, four years old. Uh, in those days, unfortunately, it was only under eights. So I was a four-year-old playing with eight-year-olds. Oh. So, that, so that's how I learned. Um, and uh, so it's really neat when I come to Canada and I see, you know, at Crew, for example, or Burlington Rugby Club, I see these young young kids, even in Toronto, some of the clubs in Toronto, getting out the really young kids uh, to get involved. So I was lucky enough to, to be part of that is really young age and then um that was in melbourne and then which wasn't not not known for its rugby and back in those days particularly it's the home of the rebels now but um so i just played rugby there and, and managed to to get myself into the australian uh, conversation at the underage um, levels and then i moved to sydney to pursue rugby uh, when i was about 19 and played rugby up there with um eastern suburbs rugby club which is one of the best uh, Sydney uh, club rugby teams. Um, in those days, I had, you know, Super Rugby was only just starting, so I had, you know, I had half my team were, were Wallabies or playing for the Waratahs, so they'd play for the Waratahs and come back and play club rugby on the weekend. So, you know, I was playing with uh, seven or eight Wallabies. It was a great experience, and I was then then moved to Hong Kong to to, to pursue something over there and met my wife and. Then I moved to Ireland and went to New York and played rugby in all those different uh, cities and just you know, really fortunate to, to be involved in rugby and played a bit of rugby league as well. In fact, I played uh, international rugby league. I played uh, for the U.S. Uh, Tomahawks against and I played a couple of test matches against the Russian team over in Moscow. And um, so I got a couple of caps in, uh, in rugby league as well. And actually, little known fact, was selected – in the world emerging 13 rugby league team in 2004. So uh, there's, there's, there's a little bit of uh, so, so the spy thing might be true <laughs> because I, because, because I was in Russia for a bit of time, dodging, uh, dodging all the different characters over there and making sure. Yeah. So, uh, so that's a little snapshot. There's a, many stories and, and different avenues that I could go down. But um, one thing I will say is that rugby has given me pretty much, you know, I would say all my connections. That's how I met my wife. My wife, by the way, another little known fact, is also an international rugby player. She played rugby for Hong Kong as well. She was part of the first female women's rugby team that Hong Kong ever selected. She went. To, she played rugby wow. at Queens here in Canada, and then she moved back to Hong Kong and 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 was selected uh, to play because you know they they were really hungry for great players, and she was fast and elusive, and she could hit hard. So, yeah, so she wear so we're, we're a dual international uh, team, a uh, couple. Yeah. Wow. So there you go. I had, wow, I had no idea you played in so many different countries. That's actually kind of it's crazy. Um, so you correct me if I'm wrong. I was I was looking up some stats. So you played for Hong Kong. You played 15s in a couple test matches. Matches. Yep. Um, actually, the stats are a little bit deceiving because I, I started playing rugby for Hong Kong before they were an IRB team. So I played, meaning we we're allowed to be part of the Hong Kong team without having been a resident for three years. Um, so, so I played a bunch of test matches in the early in the late 90s in the Pacific Rim tournament. We played Canada, played the US, played Japan, beat Canada, um, played them at Shawnigan, played them at uh, UBC. And then played them in Hong Kong. Um, you know, we beat Japan, we beat Canada, we beat the U.S. We we're a really strong Hong Kong team. There wasn't wow. a, there wasn't a Chinese t guy on the team, but <laughs> it was um, it was a mercenary team full of Aussies and Kiwis and South Africans. But um, yeah, we had a really good. And funnily enough, we're all still friends, and and that's part of the beauty of rugby that we we keep connected. And we had a 20, 25 year anniversary 
uh, last year in um, at the Hong Kong Sevens. Yeah, so it's pretty neat. So, yeah, so um, yeah, so rugby's definitely a, a, a theme which is heavily uh, through through my my life. Wow, and what was playing? Because I'm thinking now, you're saying you're playing rugby in Russia, and I didn't even realize Russia had a team until I think it was two years ago where we watched Canada. I think actually get beat by the Russian 15 team and they yeah. just had some big scary guys. So what was playing in, in Moscow? Like, yeah, it was actually a really, really interesting story. So we, we, I was selected, I was playing rugby league in the summer and rugby union in the, in the fall and spring in New York and the, and through the league was just to keep fit. And, um, and I got selected to, to go on this tour. I think they thought that my girlfriend who was Canadian was American and they thought that she was my wife. <laughs> So they, so they thought, oh, this guy must have a green card. I didn't. Yeah. Um, so they put me on the team. So we, we, we went across. In those days, rugby league was actually more popular in Russia than rugby union. And there was a lot of money uh, really pumping through the rugby league in, in Russia. So we got um, our airfares paid for. We got the hotels paid for. And actually, we got picked up at the airport and put in a bus. With I'm not, I'm not kidding you. I'm pretty sure XKGB spy or operative was in the bus with us and you could see he had a holster with a gun and he they were taking us to our hotel and um halfway to the hotel he was on the on his cell phone obviously speaking in russian and then he told the bus driver i was sitting right at the front of the bus and he and he the bus veered off the highway and we were taken to a different hotel he realized that we were staying in like a two-star three-star hotel and he called the, the boss of the rugby league in Russia. <laughs> they took us. They took us to the Four Seasons. Oh wow! Every player got their own room oh. at the Four Seasons. The captain, coaches, physios, all got suites at the Four Seasons. You wouldn't believe it. Like crazy. We played the test match at the Russian Olympic Stadium, which is so we were the first because America boycotted the eighty. I want to say eighty four or eighty Olympics. So we were the first American team of any sport to play in that stadium. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah. It was, it was nuts. It was not, oh, it wasn't a big crowd. I mean, I think that stadium holds like 70,000 people. I think there was about maybe five. <laughs> so there was echoing through the chamber, but through the, like a big echo chamber. But the cool thing was I was kicking goals and uh, they'd all whistle like the soccer games, you know, like the whole crowd would whistle trying to get me off my, oh, off yeah. my kick. <laughs> Yeah, it was, it was pretty fun. Yeah, it was like again, amazing experience. And rugby league in in the US is is definitely picking up. And um, you know, there's still a big a big part. I think well, it kind of it's cyclical. It goes through these phases of being really strong because it's it's a a game. There's a form of rugby which the Americans can get um, used to very quickly because there's less restarts, less scrums. Right. Um, yeah. So I, I enjoyed that, but then. After the New York, I moved back to Hong Kong. I haven't played a game of rugby league since. Yeah, I think the rugby league and the, for the for the US audience is, is much easier to understand than rugby rugby union uh, because it's less stoppage. Um, you know, it's a lot more physical, a lot more confrontation. And the, the nowadays the tackle the tackle uh, laws in the league are a bit more liberal, might we say? You know, there's a lot more high tackles, so the US I, audience really enjoy that. Yeah, and going off that, like the ruck laws are so complicated. And sometimes I think even like longtime fans are having a hard time understanding why the whistle's being blown in, in rugby union. So rugby league Big where time. it's like, it takes that whole thing away. And yeah. like, like you said, like the you get back 10, it's very clear what's going on. It's like, you have almost the downs with the, it's six. Mm-hmm. What do they call it? Yeah. But, six uh, tackles. Didn't, didn't you play a little bit of league day? I did play a little bit of league. So I should have known that it's a little embarrassing, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've played on uh the U17 Canadian Wolverines team. Nice. Um, my old coach, I used to live in BC, and my old coach there, he put together a squad. And some of us laugh. We think that the coaches wanted a, a holiday to Jamaica, but we all got a, the Canada team together, and we went to Jamaica and played the Jamaican team there for a game. But, like, awesome. league was so fun. Like, I'm sure you've said you played it, like, in Moscow. Like, it's, it's a completely different yeah. feel to the game but i absolutely sure. loved it it was super tiring too very t- very tiring that that's the one thing that league you, you when you watch it on tv you don't really pick up on the up and back and up and back you know there's a lot of work done the legs really get a good workout oh, yeah. you know i was I, I thought to myself oh this is this is going to be easy transitioning from union to league but it was it was difficult to pick up and then 
actually, to be honest, we, oh, no, no. The other, yeah, you asked me earlier about where my last game of the league was. We actually toured um, to Australia after that, a year after. Um, and I played in Australia and we played against Parramatta, St. George and a, and a country team up north of, uh, of Sydney. And we got just destroyed in every game. But um, super physical. Oh, my God. Like crazy. Not big guys. That's the, that's the crazy thing about league in Australia at the, the club level. Just regular kind of six foot, six foot one, but just like brutally athletic and just tackle like demons, you know? So it's not, all, it's not about size. That's the interesting thing. And, you know, if you guys ever have an opportunity and, and anyone listening has an opportunity to go play in Australia and New Zealand, yeah, there's big guys for sure. But the, they're just demon tacklers. Oh, my God. And that was one thing I noticed as an Australian going back, having been gone for, you know, I, I, at that point, I, I was gone for probably five years, six years. I'd forgotten how brutal it was. And when, you, when you're younger, you just kind of get on with it. But uh, I definitely felt that going back and playing league in Sydney. I got, we got crushed. Right. Yeah. I, uh, so I was born in South Africa and I spent there until I was about 13 years old. And we, same as you, like we weren't allowed to play rugby till a bit of an older age. And uh, so I went to Canada, ended up playing uh, rugby Ontario, as you know. And uh, I went back to South Africa for a holiday. And I went to go, the guys got together like, oh, like you play rugby Ontario, like you must be disgusting at rugby. And it's like, because they're comparing it to their like provincial like level rugby, which is obviously like on a whole nother playing field. So we get together to play some touch and stuff and they're just expecting me to be this absolutely disgusting rugby player. (laughs) Whereas in like, I'm very like, I got back, I'm like, wow, like very average with everyone (laughs) playing school touch rugby. (laughs) But uh, like, yeah, just completely different level in in those countries. I think like the skill level is, I think the most obvious. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's a big divide that, uh, well, Rugby Canada needs and, and wants, right, is to try to create these new opportunities in, in like, the MLR and the, and the Arrows and stuff and try to develop and have year-round um, training and playing for our Canadian team just to really help that development, right? So mm-hmm. Definitely, yeah. It's a, it's a challenge. I mean, I think there's if, – if anybody was to come up with a formula to, to, to get us – get young kids out playing rugby, you know, more often – Gosh, I, I want to hear that plan because we, we need it. We definitely need it in Canada. And I think the audience is there. I mean, I don't know. I, mean, I, I Certainly from a Misfits perspective, we, we've grown pretty significantly. Um, the grassroots in Canada is definitely there. It's just about getting the opportunities and, um, you know, creating those opportunities for tournaments and, and uh, players to play. You know, it's so difficult through the winter. Yeah, as you say, the climate, climate definitely isn't uh, necessarily in our favor. Um, but, uh, yeah. Um, now tell us a little bit about your, your Hong Kong sevens career and, and how do you end up playing for the sevens team and how it was playing on the circuit back then, or back then, not back then. Back but. then, yeah. No, <laughs> I, no, no worries. No, I, I, for sure it was definitely back then. Um, yeah. So I moved to Hong Kong in 96 and immediately got involved in the, in the sevens uh, team training. In, do, in those days, there was it was right before the World Cup in '97, which South Africa actually won. Um, so I wasn't eligible to play in the World Cup in '97 because that was an IRB sanctioned event, and you had to be uh, three year eligibility. So I was part of the 2015, uh, which is a reserve team if there's any, in case there's any injuries, and then we and played in the tens, the ten tennis side tournament, and then you know just got it got involved in the tournament in the in the in the team got selected to go play in in places like Fiji and Japan and um, Singapore um, all around the place um, I played in around over 20 or 25 IRB events um, played in the Hong Kong seven six times um, you know the Australian sevens in those days the Aussie sevens was was played in Adelaide so I played in that you know played against some of the best players in the world um, captained the team a couple of times yeah a really good experience and playing in Hong Kong of course you know I'd that was my second when I came back. So I played in 97, no, excuse me, 98, 98, 99 in the Hong Kong sevens. And then I left and played in Ireland professionally. Then moved to New York to be with my girlfriend. My wife played there, played some league, as I said. And then I came back in 2002 and I played. Then, then there was a question mark of my eligibility because I'd been away for a couple of years. So I didn't play again for Hong Kong until 2005. 
which is a World Cup year. So I played in the World Cup in 2005 and then six, seven, eight. So I played six times in the Hong Kong Sevens and, you know, really special, uh, really special event to play in. You know, when, when Josiah got picked to play for Canada, um, you know, pretty much, I mean, how old was he? He was like 18 or 19 when he first 18, got yeah, it was his first, I yeah. think, uh, um, Troubles in Circuit. And he, he got selected to go play and I sent him a note saying, you know, enjoy it. I think my, my note, I could probably pull it up, was something like, it's going to go in a heartbeat. It, like the weekend will start and before you know it, it's, it's, you're sitting in the hotel room ready to fly out, you know, ready to go to the airport because that's how quick it is. You know, mm-hmm. I played and I was lucky enough to play six times, but it's all a bit of a blur. You know, the, you know there's not much video footage floating around of me playing for Hong Kong in those days. But, well, but um, yeah, there's actually a really great photo we, that we have of you playing and okay. uh, got the, the gloves on. Oh, the, the gloves. The infamous yeah. finger gloves, yeah. I don't know why people were wearing those gloves. It's so embarrassing. <laughs> Get rid of those guys. I got better ones. I got better photos for you if you want. To, you want some? <laughs> yeah, we would love. Yeah. We'd love to. That see. was that was the World Cup. That was the World Cup year when I wore the gloves. That okay. was one of those stupid things where you know I was. I think we we got to the stadium, and we we're walking from the bus, or the bus actually pulls into the stadium, and one of the one of my buddies was working for the Hong Kong Rugby Union, and he said, "Hey, Straubs. Straubs is my nickname in in the rugby circles. Hey, Straubs, <laughs> you want to wear some gloves?" And I was like. Ah man, I don't want to wear gloves. And he's like, man, they, they're really going to help. And when when you're in that pre- and the cra- you can hear the crowd, you know, above you and the heart starting to pump and you're getting the adrenaline coming through. And I was like, yeah, actually, I think I'm money those gloves. You know, yeah, <laughs> you know, just, just anything, anything at that stage. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I wore them, and that, I didn't wear them again. Like, yeah, like they're still they're still in the cupboard somewhere. Never, it's embarrassing. No, those are kind of, I should have brought them out again. So we have to ask now, how, Straubs, how did, how did you get the name? Yeah. Um, sh- very short, uninspiring story. So okay. my, my surname is Daker, D-Aker, and, I'm, and someone was calling me Daiquiri, and then Strawberry uh, Daiquiri. Oh, Strawberry Daiquiri. Yeah, that's, and then gotcha. it was just straw, Strawberry, and then just Nick Straubs. So pretty much anybody who's known me, in Asian rugby circles, um, you know, I was there. For, I was in Asia all told for 17 years, between Hong Kong, Shanghai, and Singapore. Um, and then anybody that knows me in those in those uh, circuits, you know, cool, call me Straws. I like that. So what we can do though is we can edit this now, and because it's been so long since you've played, you're allowed to embellish the story. I think it's like every year since you played, you can embellish it more and more. Like by okay. now, you could have, you should come up with a really cool story as to how you got like, like you, you were at this buffet. Uh, st- <laughs> no, nah, man. No, nah, I'm happy with my story. I don't want to embellish yeah. that one. People, actually, no, not, not a lot of people know that the story, even all those guys that know me. I mean, that nickname, just like guys that you, you know, or girls that you know with nicknames. Um, when, when I'd go to into the bar after a game and some guy would be with his girlfriend, he'd say, Oh, you know, Mary meet straw. Cause I don't know. They didn't know my name. Like just, <laughs> I'm just, that's who I am. Like, what is your name? Like, yeah. So yeah. it's just one of those things. That's why my kids gave me that license plate is now straws. So people in Canada are like, what the hell? What's straws? But my kids, they even call me straw sometimes. So. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's all. Yeah, so you've played all formats of rugby. It seemed like Hong Kong sevens, fifteens, league, and then you mentioned the thirteen world thirteens team. Well, there's only thirteen. Rugby league is thirteen, right? Okay, right, right. So, what, yeah. what did you mean by world's team? I meant to ask. Oh, okay. So the rugby rugby league magazine uh, published. Uh, a world emerging 13. So emerging a world team. What they thought was the, the world's best rugby league team, um, but from emerging countries. So okay. not New Zealand, Australia, Great Britain, France, okay. um, and whoever else. There's, I think there's only like about eight or nine or maybe 10 top tier league nations, but there's other teams like, um, uh, well, the US, Canada, Japan, um, Papua New Guinea, there's a bunch of other second tier nations yeah, and the, the, the reporter for the rugby league magazine was watching the test match. It was two test matches in Russia and he was watching the test matches. And the first test 
we got beaten 28 26 um i i scored i scored four tries and kicked and kicked uh, all the goals so I oh, wow. much, apart from apart from one like i i I, I I scored every point apart from one try. I think, uh, whatever. However, it worked out. I, I can't even remember. Humble brag. <laughs> yeah. um, so he was watching that game, and then boom, and then uh, somebody sent me that that uh, magazine. I've still got it somewhere with uh, me as uh, in the world world thirteen because there's only thirteen guys in a, in the league league yeah, team. So right on. Yeah. Well, there's an accomplishment for sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So then. You're obviously you're not playing rugby anymore, like you said. Um, I haven't. What kind of what transitioned you into coaching, and why did you choose? Because you correct me if I'm wrong, but you're only coaching sevens. Yep. As reading, so what transitioned you into coaching, and how did that turn into sevens rugby, and not any of the other rugby sure. <laughs> formats? Yeah, uh, yeah. No, well, I coached I coached my son Marcus in Singapore. We lived in Singapore for four years, and he started playing rugby as a youngster there. I was part of the Centaurs rugby rugby team in in Singapore, and then um, so I just I mean that was like under eights up till sort of under tens or whatever, and then we moved to to Canada and and you know, I had reached out to Rugby Ontario almost immediately, just just sort of saying I, w- I wanted to I didn't know anybody you know in Canada, you know my wife was raised in Hamilton, went to university in Queens, and then almost the day she graduated from Queens, she moved back to Hong Kong because her dad and her dad was there and she got started in her financial career. Um, so I didn't really know anybody in Canada, you know, just a couple of people, my wife's um, uh, friends from, from her, you know, old days. So I thought I might, I might as well get in. We're going to be here. We're, this is going to be our home. I might as well, you know, get involved. Um, so I, I can't exactly recall, but I'm pretty sure I sent emails to a, a few different clubs um marcus my son started playing at cruise so i started helping out a little bit there just on the peripherals you know i was traveling a lot for work so and then uh dave butcher from rugby ontario gave me a call and said hey we want you to do uh some coaching at that point uh myself and paul hahn got the u18 uh 15 aside team actually carter i think you're in that team mate were you yeah yep yep yeah um and yeah, that's and then I mean, great for me. I mean, Paul's. I think Paul is one of the best coaches in in Canada in terms of uh, fifteen aside. You know, he's had a lot of experience uh, with the Lions in South Africa and a bunch of underage teams here in Ontario. So I was really lucky to to, to start off coaching here in Canada with Paul, um, and uh, yeah, I just loved it. I mean, and I think that. I just love inspiring young athletes. I mean, I think about that backline we had, Carter, in those days. We had Josiah. I think Hammond was in that backline. Yep. Um, Hager, uh, Silver. Hager, Hager, Silver. Like a bu- good bunch of dudes. And, and we really, you know, I, I was trying to impart a lot of just advent- adventurous rugby. Yeah. I, I noticed that a lot of the guys, especially coming out of high school rugby in Canada, they get coached very methodically like robots you you as a fly half you catch the ball you take one step you pass and that's not how i i i don't enjoy playing rugby like that i certainly don't like coaching rugby like that so i was i really wanted just to see if athletes in canada would would adopt it and they did i mean especially looking back that back line was probably um that team was it was outstanding and they really adopted it um and i see that some of those guys around the traps every now and again and they always give me a wink and, and say a couple of the names of the moves we used or whatever because you know so that, that i love that and if, if if i'm coaching with a great coach and i've got athletes who are willing to um adopt you know a few of the things and and i challenge them on how to do things then then i get a lot out of it um and i see the growth in those athletes for sure absolutely so it's very addicting um in terms of coaching i find it very addicting in that respect because uh, you get a lot out of it um and the opportunities here in canada i think for for coaching and to, for progression is is really great too you know so it's just getting the vehicles in place to enable coaches to coach especially um on the seventh side it's one of the reasons i started the misfits to be honest yeah 
Yeah, right on for sure. I remember that. That was a big transition year for me and a lot of a lot of guys too, right? Just coming out of high school. Um, <clears throat> and yeah, I remember making that team and for sure, just implants kind of just a different style. Just your, uh, your motto or your, your same, just have a go, right? Just go out there and have fun. Don't script the game too much. Make it more mm-hmm. free flow and do what you want to do, right? And, and yeah. yeah, play what's in front of you, it's- have some fun, so. Yeah, it's it's definitely, and you know, I think back to when I played, and I was lucky enough to be coached by some of the best, especially in Australia at a junior age. You know, I got, I really got some amazing coaches, um, but uncomplicated. You know, it was it was something that fitness, speed, handling, that was it, and then it was implied that you'd have a go, and of course we have challenges here in Canada that we have the athleticism and size, speed. It's the it's the handling and the and the vision on yeah. the field which needs to be needs to be improved, um, and and then yeah so there's there's definitely assets within the athletes here in Canada for sure um, yeah it's just yeah I remember just my personal experience coming up through the system kind of uh, especially in the beginning I was I was based out of BC and it was you didn't you didn't really hear a lot about these tryouts um, unless like your coach kind of knew about it like. I remember there was tryouts, a tryout happened in grade eight, I think I was, and I would have loved to try out for the team, but I heard two weeks, two weeks later, it's like, oh yeah, the tryouts were two weeks ago. Yeah. And so it was kind of like, there wasn't that much like, I'm not sure what the word is, but exposure to like that next level of rugby and the outreach wasn't quite there. And then just what you guys are touching on, like how Canada loves to pick big bodies and from at least it's always seemed like every, Carter can probably back me up in this, that uh, a lot of the time there's a lot of selection on let's find a big athletic player and then let's teach him rugby later. Whereas it's like, you're missing out on a lot of kids where I think one of the easiest things to teach a player is how to lift weights and how to get big. And it's like, sometimes just that actual game yep. sense and that game awareness isn't always there or even that drive for the game. So it's like, I know a lot of my friends, I had uh, some undersized friends playing scrum half and all sorts of position just, who loved the game, but just as they're undersized, they never got, never got the shot at the the game. Yeah, there was, it's interesting when I, you know, and Paul, Paul Hahn is probably someone we should get on this, on this podcast too at some point, but uh, him and I were sitting around a selection table for the Ontario U18s. um, And it was interesting, you know, how many other people turned up on that table and were giving their opinions. And Paul and I were looking at each other like, you know, we're both newbies on this in this coaching thing in Canada, but we quickly realized that size was the pretext of the selection. And I, and I just, you know, I didn't, I, I just argued my ass off and there was um, a couple of players, which I had to beat the table with my fist to get them selected. And we, at that, at that stage, there was a trial match at, up at Fletcher's field. And um, I, I can't recall the guy's name, but there was, he ended up playing for actually he might, he might've gone to Laurier center. Oh no. I can't remember. Um, Sobe. Oh yeah. Sobe. Yeah. Sobe. He played probably one of the best games uh, that I'd seen him play in the trial yeah. match. Cru- crushed it, crushed it. Um, but for whatever reason, selectors were like, no, 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 he's not going to, he's not going to do. I'm like, wait, we were watching the same game yeah. uh, and he actually finished the game by like smashing a guy, stealing the ball, stepping over the tackle and scoring a try. That's how he finished the game. <laughs> and so I'm like, boom, he's in. Yeah, like, that, was, that was like, that was like the a cherry on the top, you know, from yeah. everything else he did. But then, yeah, no, no don't like him. Yeah, no. Uh, so I was there arguing for this guy thinking, wait, we, I honestly thought they were watching the wrong game. Like that sounds like a cliche, but I honestly thought yeah. I'm like, we were on that field there, right? We're not on the backfield. We were, you watching the same one. Cause, and then Paul's looking at me like, mate, really? Like this is a joke. So we ended up getting, we ended up getting the guys we wanted, but um, it was certainly a good introduction to, to how size is everything. And, and at that point, I think things have changed though. I've got to say, I think things are changing in Canada. I see that I see this change. Uh, I've seen it in the last few years where you're getting a lot more education of coaches. Um, and, and look, I mean, look, look at the South African sevens team. They're, they're all, who's yeah. the, who's, who's the tall? <laughs> they're tiny. They're I tiny. Mean, you look at their tiny. weights. You think, you think it's like, they're wrong. You think like, they're all like a buck 
a buck eighty, a buck. Right. Se- you're gonna buck seventy guys tackling yeah. these monster Fijians and like, wow, yeah. crazy. Yeah, um, the, Cla- the Fiji, the Fiji South Africa clash is always insane. Yeah, just because it's well, there's not even obviously Fiji Fiji ranges too, right? You have your your monsters on Fiji too, but you also have your Jerry right. Ratatouille's that are smaller too, right? But um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a pace, the skill, and the and the vision. But yeah. I think they're what's that old cliche it's the size of the the heart of the player i don't know some something this yeah players always say whatever that is the, yeah. the size the size <laughs> of the fight and the dog not the, yeah that, that one not the size of the dog yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah but, but having said having said all that you know canada is is known for in the past if you think back to the when i when i played against canada back in the pack rim days for playing for hong kong you know that was the days when they had al sharon and and these guys, they were monsters. Like yeah. they were huge dudes. And um, Gareth Reese was the fly half and he'd just sit back in the pocket and kick these monster balls and, and, and roll them into touch and their forwards would roll, roll it in. And they did that against the best teams in the world. You know, Canada yeah. had an incredible forward pack. And, and so it's hard to break out of that, especially when you're transitioning to coaching. It's like, well, that's what, that's what Canada were good at. And we've got big guys who love to hit because they're, they're hockey, hockey guys. So let's get them into rugby and, and, and make it easy for them. Just pick the big guys. But unfortunately, I, I don't know whether that's the right way forward. Um, yeah, size is important, especially when you get into senior rugby. Mm-hmm. But we need, to, we need to get these. Size can, as Danny, as you said earlier, size can be, can be brought on. You, you can get in the gym and you can get that size. What you can't get is the game sense and the heart. Is it's hard for me? Heart is everything. Heart is 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 rugby, and that's where you know that's the beauty of rugby. You you play with the smallest guy, and he's got the biggest heart on the planet, and he'll do everything anything for you. Um, sometimes the biggest guy won't won't want to get a scratch on his elbow. Um, yeah, just just to build off that too, I think especially I saw this in my club rugby. A lot of the big guys who were big when they were younger, they. They're so used to just dominating all competition in club rugby and grassroots rugby in Canada because they were bigger than all the other kids. They're able to smash their way through. Right. And as everyone kind of got older and started catching up and the little guys went to the gym, went to the whatever, went to university, put on some weight. Suddenly, like the guys who used to be absolutely dominant big rugby players now were just they weren't even the star players on the team anymore because they never had to develop those skills to get better. And they didn't have that heart, like you're saying. Exactly. They, they could just dominate. without, Yeah. Mm. But uh, yeah, so I think you touched on it a bit earlier, and I kind of want to transition into this now. Um, kind of about how you, why you decided to start the Misfit Rugby Team, and uh, kind of how, yeah, how they came about and how that, what did that look like? Sure. Yeah. I mean, it it, it came back. It was very again very simple. Um, part of that um, that backline that we were talking about earlier, the Ontario Under 18s, which would have been 2016 or so. Yeah. Um, the Mag Sevens had had been um, rescheduled for the summer, and um, I just simply asked the guys in the backline. So this is the Ontario Under Eighteen backline. Hey guys, who's playing in the Sevens tournament coming up next week or whatever, and whenever it was or next month? And everybody was like, "Ah, no, no one's playing." And I thought, "Oh wow, that's crazy. You guys are awesome. Like you're awesome players. You should be playing Sevens." Um, and there's a tournament, like, why wouldn't you want to play? And, um, you know, and then, yeah, so that, so I just, I just registered a team, went on the website, registered a team. I don't think I used the name misfits when I registered. I don't know what I used, but, um, I'll tell you a little, I'll tell you how that came about, but yeah, then, um, started to, to ask the guys in that team if they're interested, um, Carter, I think I asked you, but you ended up because you were going to Utah with Rogues. You ended up playing for Rogues. No hard feelings. Yeah. I still, yeah. I still gave you, I still gave you a jersey though. Yeah, you do. I saw that hanging up. Yeah, um, and then called up uh, Simon Fitzgerald from Crew, who was U eighteen coach, and he, Danny, he gave me your name. He said, "Whatever you do, you got to pick this guy." Um, <laughs> so fine, got you on board, and um, you know we had we had a decent team. Andrew Wilson. Uh, who else did we have? Um, a bunch of those guys. We had a really good team and didn't really train, just, just pulled it together. Um, the Misfit name came about because we, well, I, I played for the Misfits in the US. There's another US, another Misfit organization called the USA Misfits, uh, which is 
which mainly over 35s, over 45s. I played a couple of tournaments with them over the years. And one of their guys was doing jerseys and he, 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 he just put the Misfit logo on. So, and I like the name, actually, to be honest. So there's no, there's no mystique around the, uh, the naming of the Misfits. But I really, I think it really is rugby players in Canada um, because it's, you are Misfits at the end of the day. You know, you know, a lot of you play hockey, but rugby tends to be something which is really important to you. And if you play, you know, playing rugby, a lot of your friends at school and family are like, you know, what is, what's rugby? Is that must be really rough? You know, it's different. It's not football. It's not basketball. It's definitely a fan stuck quite well. Um, take a step back, you know, the guy that we start, I started this with was Andrew Hall. Um, um, Andrew and I were doing coaching on the Ontario 7 program at that time. We were head of, the, head of that program and him and I were playing golf. And that's kind of where it started. And he and we both said over a beer after a round of golf, um, it was just, hey, we've got to do some more um, with sevens here. Why don't we put a team in? And that's really how it started. Um, you know, so it's it was it was an exciting period. And it, it's just, it's kind of snowballed um, over the years and, so do- uh, in, a, in a really good way. So, yeah. So when you first started it, did you know it would kind of grow into what it's become today? Or was it just like, we just want a team out there and that was kind of like, what was the yeah. vision coming into it? The, the vi- there was no vision, but we definitely wanted to disrupt. And, you know, again, with my experience in rugby, I, I felt that I had a lot to give. And, and I think that rug- Ontario rugby, which is the sort of premier sevens, team i guess in the province and then you had rogues which were doing some really good things too um there just wasn't a lot of vehicles for young kids to play so we wanted to create those opportunities um not just for players for coaches that's why we looked at u.s tournaments and taking teams abroad uh to give them more experience which more more than rugby ontario could do having said that we were in tune with what rugby ontario needed in terms of keeping not stealing their players or making sure we were feeding that pathway for rugby Ontario and rugby Canada, which was an important, that was, that was really what we that was kind of the principle of how we founded it to get players exposure and give them opportunities to be selected within Ontario. The, the, the future vision and where we are today, a lot of that is, is really is Khalil uh, taking the reins and, and, and pushing it a lot of, and he's done such good work with us. And, um, you know, Khalil and I, you know, we, we, we speak all the time about how to do it. But ultimately, that player-driven process, which was what Andrew Hall and I spoke about originally, hasn't really come about until the, now the board has now been announced and we've now got the players driving initiatives in every facet of the club. We, always, we were player-driven in that, you know, we would ask, how should we play? How should we, should we train? what jerseys should we wear? And we were always asking those questions, but ultimately now we want to take this one step further. And, and that's where the player driven player board uh, has come through. And a lot of that's is driving by with Khalil at, in the background. Yeah. So just on the creation of that player board, how was, when did you guys decide that like that was something that you guys wanted to input or who, who kind of, who pushed for that to happen? Well, the, the original board, there was an original board too. The, after the first couple of tournaments, we, we decided in, there was a, a board, um, you know, Andrew Wilson was on that board and a few, a few other guys who played one of the original Misfits. So there's always been a player board and we'd always change it from year to year. But we, we never really got organized enough to actually start to implement and have them actively making decisions. Um, at the beginning of this year, pretty much when, you know, COVID-19 started, we realized that there's going to be a lot of players out there hungry for rugby, hungry to be involved in rugby. And we thought this was a better, no better time to do this than now because it gets you in, still involved in rugby. You're still interacting with your, your buddies that you've met over the years. You're engaging the community and there's a community out there. There's an audience which is hungry for this, for content and, and to and keep in touch with it. And even a lot of the teams in the U S that we've played against and who are now our friends, are really applauding what we're doing uh, with this board. So it's just, it's different. And I think that, um, you know, we, we're really excited to, to see where this goes, to be honest. Yeah. 
Yeah, I do agree for sure. It is, I mean, you're right now with no rugby, um, guys want to stay involved. They want to keep doing what they can, right? And even guys like Danny and I being there from the start and you, and you selecting us and giving us the chance to um, be involved in that first tournament, playing or not, um, mm-hmm. it kind of just, it, it gives a passion and, uh, I don't know, we care for the club and, and, and the experience and want to see them grow and what they can do. So, and it just really mm-hmm. cre- creates kind of good habits for us too, right? Like, um, yep. <clears throat> maybe not good habits, but start, starting young at, at giving back to the game will continue yep. to give us these opportunities that lets to do so too. Right. So it's. Yeah, definitely. I think that's where, you know, we, we, these opportunities to do these types of things um, is something which you can, you know, you guys are doing a podcast, right? You're, you're driving a social media message. Um, my son, Marcus is the finance guy. You know, I'm not getting involved in anything he's doing. You know, he's doing, he's making decisions. Um, he's like, dad, I'm like, Hey, I don't want to know about it. You got to make, <laughs> you make the, you make the call, do what you think is right. Same thing with the other, um, particularly the executive um, board members. And then there's going to be other, the other board, like the recruitment guys and girls, um, all of which is something which we, we hope. And the intention is that it's going to be something which they can um, use as experience. Maybe they can put it on a resume. Hey, I was part of a board of a, of a rugby club. You know, we're, we are a business Misfits are a registered business, non-for-profit in Canada. Um, you know, you're a, you're a part of a board of a registered company in Canada, and you're going you're making decisions on the direction of that com- of that company slash uh, rugby club. So that's you know it, this is something which we'll t- we'll talk about more in the future with, with the board in particular. Of course, um, you know it's we're not putting a lot of weight on it in terms of but we want those decisions made. Back yourself, you know, and 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 make those calls. What do you think is common sense approach? And yeah, I, I'm I've got full faith. Uh, I think it's awesome. I can't wait. Yeah, I know. I love that you said that, Nigel. Back yourself, because I think what you just said perfectly describes how you've coached us, kind of coming up through the years. And me and Carter both played with you for a couple of years. And like what you just said, how you're describing your leadership and how you want to this club to evolve and move forward. Players first. It's exactly the same way. I I can recall like you teaching us how to play rugby like it was just like all right Danny like you know what like we've given you the system we've given you the form but you know what just go for it mate back yourself just go and I, I love that I think it's a great reflection of of the leader that you are and like how this why this club is here in the first place um yeah definitely it definitely represents uh us misfits right that's we got the reins to kind of do what we can do with this see where it, where it can go so it's uh it's definitely, it's a good, it's a great experience, life, life experience for um, all us young guys on the board kind of um, following our passion and looking out for something that's sure. very and close it, to and us. The, the great thing is, you know, it's, it's really up to you guys. And what, what I like about what you two have done is that you've, you're taking a, a really front foot approach uh, to what, you know, you're taking it very seriously. And um, as, as have the other board members, by the way, um, but we're leaving a lot of it up to them. We'll give it, we'll give us sort of a framework, but then you just go and make your call and just go. Um, you know, I, I want to see that enthusiasm and you, you two have definitely done that. So, and I think the, the marketing side of, of the platform and the club is, is a very critical part of the puzzle. So I think the podcast this podcast. Hopefully, hopefully someone's listening. If anyone's listening out there. <laughs> yeah. Give us a yeah. shout out. Give us a message. Give us a shout out. <laughs> Yeah. Nigel, what would you say is your favorite uh, Misfits memory um, or like accomplishment or success thus far? I mean, I know Danny and I both know what ours is um, and a sure. few within between, but uh, yeah, yeah, what would you say your, your favorite successes as a coach and maybe accomplishment so far? Yeah, look, we've had, there's been so many. I can't really pinpoint um, one. I mean, our, our success through the fall um, over the years has been really, really great and satisfying. Um, you know, Cumetto at the Mag Sevens, or I guess originally Mag Sevens, mm-hmm. Turf Turf Sevens, etc. Uh, we two Sevens success in the fall, I think, is is really important for us. Um, so that that's great. Um, really, more, more so, just giving opportunities to players. You know, you know, we, we are going to make some changes uh, in terms of, um, and that's something which the board will make decisions on in terms of amounts of teams. Um, you know, levels of teams, et cetera. You know, right. we need to, we need to ensure, because in the past we've done sort of three, four teams. 
in in one age bracket you know is that the right way forward um so yeah so there's a lot of challenges but you know we, that fall series is important to us um what else you know the tour is down to utah the first the first tour uh down to utah Danny, you were part of that team um you know it was an incredible experience for us to get off the ground Le- good le- learning experience for me and then of course the tour last year i, I wasn't part of it but they went down to new, to new zealand and played in the world's world's uh sevens world school sevens uh, representing canada um i think was a great accomplishment you know khalil of course was the was driving force behind that tour um and we've been invited back next year well assuming it goes ahead probably doesn't go ahead this year i don't think but okay. we've 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 got an ongoing invite to continue to go back which is awesome yeah no that's huge for sure i know i'm sure your success as a as a, a founder or your your like short-term temporary success as a coach when you go down to utah and when a when a tournament's one thing right i mean you're just kind of talking right now just we can hear how how happy you are and how um these accomplishments of just developing the board and really looking out for us players right and giving that opportunity that's that's definitely an accomplishment that we can see danny and i too right so um so, yeah. so, so why don't i throw it back to you guys what what you mentioned your favorite moments i heard some of them on the instagram feed i'm assuming the u20 u20s last year or 2018 when was yeah that? i mean now i can say as a as a player obviously my um favorite many was that tournament going down there um losing to the rogues in the last game of pool play on the on the friday or saturday and then just getting through to the quarters drew a tougher card in the quarters um winning that winning the semis and then going through to win the uh um win the cup was always my favorite experience um but now having the opportunity to do this get involved um just kind of network with with other guys around the province and hopefully the country too um to develop this brand and this this team i think that's a pretty cool opportunity right now maybe not an accomplishment yet but definitely an opportunity that we can see where it's going to go but um yeah like for sure those are two big pillars for me um that's fun. yeah it's I say the same. I've loved every tournament I've played at. Obviously, I think we've, we can all agree that Utah has a different energy to it when you go down and play there. I think it's because like you're away, you're in a completely different country. You're playing against. It's a great yardstick to see where you are individually as a player and as a team as well. And then it's it's always like you say we don't ever get that much practice. So it's like you're learning this with these new group of guys. And and what I think I really loved most about the Misfits is like you get to play with players better than you or just as good as you and like that makes you better as a player you're playing with someone like-minded and I, I think I love that so as far as my favorite memory I would say like yeah like obviously winning the the NI7's cup in Utah has got to be up there um and we've, we've talked about just that a little bit now I've uh I've loved to see the progression I remember our first tournament as a Misfits the first two tournaments maybe um Rogues Rugby was the most dominant sevens team in the probably in Ontario for those for how long until the misfits came in but now we come in like a year later and i've seen that development and it's like only thing i hear coming up from the younger guys is like oh like we're playing misfits like misfits destroyed the tournament like i don't always have good competition with the rogues but it seems mm-hmm. like that the pendulum has almost shifted a little bit and and the misfits are definitely getting a lot more wins there and so just to touch on that is how is the misfit rogues rivalry um, with I think Tiger Tyler Leggett leading the Rogues, how's that kind of been over the years, and uh, how's that developed? Yeah, yeah, pretty pretty good. You know, Tyler's. I think I've got a lot of respect for him as a as a coach, uh, and also somebody as an entrepreneur who's who started Rogues and and built it. Absolutely. Um, you know, I think are, are we different people? That I think for sure, um, in different uh, goals and objectives, no, no question. Um, but we need more. Nigel Dakers and uh, and Tyler Leggett's out there um, developing these opportunities for young athletes. So um, rivalry is good. Uh, rivalry is great, and the more rivalry, the better. It just makes you better. Um, I, I, and Tyler has said that to me. He's he said that he we're making him be better, and I and I was like, great, that's awesome. You know, because we need more of this. I I want Canada to be. I want to be feeding players, you know, Josiah was one and, and, um, you know, look at Dave Richard out of rogues and Brock Webster, who is a misfit. 
um, I want more of those guys. You know, I want Gabe Casey th- throwing on a jersey. I want you guys getting opportunities. I want I want all these guys, rogues or misfits, to have the opportunity to go up and and have and and get on the world stage. Um, I you know, and I think having you guys playing with Joe last year, who was also a rogue, played rogue a couple of times, played misfits. Um, you know, you can see the gap is only this big. I think I told it. I think I said that to you guys when I when we were there the gap between playing international rugby and playing at that level in your twenties in, in Utah, it's microscopic, you know, it's microscopic. So creating those opportunities, giving you guys those opportunities to play there and win and bring that cup home is you'll never forget it. And so that we need more of that. So, the, you know, I've got a lot of time for Tyler. Again, we're different people, um, but you know, we need more of him out there yeah. doing these types of things. Yeah, it is clear to see as a player. You can see, obviously, there's those on-field rivals that Danny was kind of touching on there. But at the end of the day, um, you guys' goals are definitely similar, right? It's a, we're, it's, we're talking yeah. development in Canada, um, creating opportunities for the players uh, and coaches and, and programs themselves, right? So mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> definitely on-field rival within the, uh, within the province, but um, all for kind of the same, uh, same, yeah. same goal. Absolutely. So, Nigel, touching on – the misfit future. We uh, had a kind of a question here, which is something we've kind of been asking ourselves um, and can ask ourselves. It's just kind of, I know we have goals and objectives for our um, kind of sector that we're, we're working for here, but what are your kind of main goals and objectives going forward? The misfits. I mean, I know you've t- touched on them briefly um, throughout the pod, but um, I mean, objectives obviously be much smaller and, and goals kind of where you want to be kind of thing um, as a program. Yeah, we just want to continue to, to create more opportunities. So it's it's the the, the club will, will continue to grow, um, you know, for, in a sevens on the sevens side. You know, there's there's opportunities and there's a has been questions asked about whether we would entertain a fifteen a side uh, team as well. Um, yep. In particular, a touring team that might that might head across to Europe and, and play some games. Um, you know, so there's there's opportunities there. We have to be very selective. In in, the, in how we move, uh, again the board will, the board will be dictating a lot of that uh, coming up. But I know that there's been, you know, to to, to give you some a uh, little bit of insight, you know, the, rug, playing rugby in playing any sport in Canada is expensive. And one thing that we do at Misfits is we keep it very very lean, uh, probably to our detriment in terms of fees. You know, we we really try and make it as affordable as we can. Um. There are other clubs out there and, and even the provincial rugby union, even playing for Canada, it's incredibly expensive. So, you know, we want to ensure that whatever we do is affordable. Um, so we can select from a wide variety of, of athletes from any part of Ontario or Canada. Uh, we're not just selecting from one neighborhood where people have money or, or just putting it out there and saying, who can come and play, come and play. We want to select the very best. Um, and make it affordable so that so yeah so whatever we that's kind of going to help that's that's where we the guidance will be given to the board it, just make sure it's affordable and uh and we broaden the scope to give more athletes opportunities um yeah so it might be that we do some 15 aside rugby i really i really excited to do more on the girls side uh, i think that's something which we could really do a lot more with uh, we've had some success um, and we've got a good partnership with the Aurora Barbs uh, and Nick Daniels and his group. So we've got a, we've got a really strong connection with them and, and especially from a touring perspective. So that the girls side would be something which we definitely want to put a, an emphasis on moving forward as well. Um, but, you know, I guess for, for right now, we just got to get through this period of time. We've got to get through this COVID-19 and get back to them in the field. Yeah. And maybe then we'll reassess and see what, what the landscape is. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, so. And what about getting over to the West Coast as well? Um, I know a lot of our players come out of Ontario as of right now because we started the club was started in Ontario. Um, yeah. I know, like a lot of guys have, like Joe, have moved to the West Coast. So, yep. What are the thoughts on you know expanding the club on that side and who is like yep. your community? And even the East Coast too, right, right across Canada. Sure, right, right, right across Canada. So we've got we've got connections in in all all four corners, um, Alberta, uh, and then of course out in BC. So Tom Morrissey is is one of our recruitment directors. He's he's at Shawnigan, um, Shawnigan Lake, 
he's part of the board. So he's going to be yep. part and parcel with the recruitment from that side. Um, there will be some other stuff coming up in um, not so much on the misfit side, but rugby Ontario, we're going to be driving a men's uh, trying to develop a men's sevens team. And with that, we'll be pulling some athletes out of the West coast. Um, yeah. So some of the guys that are out there at school, might get selected to play um, early next year for Ontario. You know, you guys will probably be part of that reckoning as well. Um, so we want to, you know, so, I mean, if we took, for example, if we took that Misfit team from Utah, you know, a couple of years on and went and played in a men's tournament, I think we do pretty well. You know? right. Maybe not everybody would be available. But we could, we could augment that with some other players from different, different uh, teams, um, different schools, as long as it's not conflicting. So, yeah, there's definitely some opportunities to get guys involved from the West Coast for sure. Yeah. Awesome. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So just a little bit about like a couple of last questions we'll say. Um, you've obviously played rugby, like you played professionally um, or internationally at the very least. And uh, for a long t- like a while ago, like uh, Carter <laughs> said earlier, um, how has how the game changed, you think, um, going forward, especially with like the level that you've played at and what you're kind of seeing now as a coach? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's changed a lot um, back in, I hate to say that, but back in my day, um, you know, the ruck situation was a lot more brutal. Yeah. You know, if you went, if you went to, yeah, if you went to ground uh, with the ball or if you're caught on the wrong side of the ruck, you're going to get shooed. You're going to get shooed big time. Yeah. Um, that's, that's changed a lot. You go to ground now, you, you're lucky to get a boot, you know, maybe inadvertently perhaps, but you're not going to get rucked like you did in the past. So that's definitely, that's a good thing. Um, you know, that's probably a good thing. Uh, what else has changed? You know, I think, um, you know, I think nowadays it's probably a little bit more free, 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 I can't say it free flowing. So you get a lot more that, that distance off the back of the scrum five meter, uh, uh, off sideline was never there. The off sideline was right. The back lines were right at the back of the scrum. So that that's giving back lines a lot more opportunities and more depth, uh, to, to do things. Um, so that I wish that was around when I played. Um, yes, yeah, so I, I think rugby is continually evolving and changing. So it's all, you know, I'm happy that with my career, you know, I got to play in all, all continents and played international rugby and played professionally for a little while. So I'm happy, uh, no regrets. Um, certainly no, no interest in playing again, maybe a bit of touch rugby here and there. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Well, we got, uh, you got a good fun question for the end here. Um, who do you say would, is your favorite current rugby player right now? Probably. Right anyway. now. Or you can name it. It is tricky to narrow it down. Maybe you can have one forward, one back. I'll give you. One forward, one back. Um, and then favorite center player. Sure. Aaron Smith, uh, all black uh, scrum yeah. half. Yeah. You know, from a professional perspective and a game management perspective from that position. I think he's exceptional. Uh, I really, and I hate to say it because I'm, even though I'm, I'm a product of a, of two Kiwis, I'm a staunch Wallaby fan. Yeah. But I think he's, he's incredible. Um, from a sevens perspective, uh, you know, Jerry Tuai right now, I can't go past Jerry Tuai yeah. in terms of how he plays. He's a different level, different level player. Um, yeah. So I think those two guys would be, would be up there for sure. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. So now, okay, so final, final question. This is talked about in North American media till they are blue in the face about any sport. And it's the conversation on who is the goat of that sport, the greatest of all time. So our question to you is, who is the goat rugby player in your mind? Wow. Okay, so... mm. Let me let me let me kind of reframe that a little bit. If if I had to pick one guy to be the best, I, I had to be Richie McCaw. I think Richie yeah. McCaw. You know, and again, I hate to say it, but I just think that he is the best. I think he's the, the best player that's ever tied a lace without any without any shadow of a doubt. Um, he just was incredible. Not only was he athletic and and rugged and all the rest of it, he just knew how to cheat. <laughs> and, <laughs> And that just showed how smart the guy was. You know, he was on the fringes of everything. And I hated, I hated losing when the Wallabies lose against him, lost against him. But you, you, you ha- I have nothing but admiration for him. So Richard McCaw, without a doubt, would be my goat 
of all time. Well, Tommy, that, that's a solid answer. Can't, can't argue much there. All right. Well, thank you so much for the time, Nigel. Um, this was a lot of fun. I'm glad that we got this going. Um, hope, yeah, hope. for sure. Thank you for the, yeah, the insight um, and everything you shared here. Our listeners, I can uh, know the misfits, don't know the misfits. I think I'll know them much better now, right? And uh, um, tune in, show some interest, and, and kind of see where our plans are, where we're going to go and follow along. So thank you for uh, um, getting everyone up to speed. And uh, <clears throat> yeah. Thanks, guys. It was really fun. Appreciate it. Good luck. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, Nige. Take care. Take care. Cheers. <laughs> All right, thanks, guys. Thanks for tuning in, listening to our uh, first podcast and our first interview with Nigel Daker. Um, I think that was some really good insight he brought to you about the Misfits. Um, how about their goals and objectives, kind of where they want to be in the future? Um, but yeah, stay tuned and bear with us, right? Danny and I are just getting this thing rolling, so it can only go <laughs> it can only go up from here. But uh, yeah, guys, stay tuned uh, for new updates and news. Uh, about when we're going to be releasing new podcasts, new guests. There's some pretty big names we've both played with, and we both know that we're going to try to try to get on here and uh, take this thing from uh, from episode one, level beginner, to episode maybe five to ten to fifteen to a hundred, where we're maybe advanced. A thousand, to bro, advanced. to exactly. a thousand. <laughs> yeah, we have big plans for this, so. Um, we hope you guys enjoyed listening to us for the first time and uh, yeah, just stay tuned because we'll be, we'll be trying to dish these things out maybe a few of these things a month. So Nice and weekly. No, absolutely, man. That interview was so fun and uh, we definitely got to get Straubs on again because uh, how can you not, man? No, so insightful, so much knowledge to give and uh, yeah, no, stay tuned. We're going to have some great lineup of guests coming up. Uh, I think you guys will hopefully be a little impressed as to what we can pull on the show. So stay tuned to that. And uh, yeah, we're going to keep this going. We're learning and we look forward to hear some of your feedback and uh, yeah. Thank you guys. That's this it. was amazing. Yeah, That's this was a fun wrap. Carter. Thanks. That's a wrap brother. Cheers man. All right. All right cheers dude. Take care,